Now, some of you may not know what Twitter is, but Twitter is a social networking site where you can post what's going on in your life in 140 characters or less. That includes letters, that includes spaces, 140 characters or less. You post what's going on in your life. Now, I follow a variety of people on Twitter. Some people I follow on Twitter for information. They're friends in my life, family in my life, and and I want to know what's going on in their life. And so I I listen to their tweets. I, I read their tweets to find out what's going on. There are other people that I follow on Twitter for edification. They are people that I can learn from, people that um, have some wisdom to give me in, in ministry, wisdom to give me in life. And then there are other people that I follow on Twitter just for plain fun. And one of those people that I follow on Twitter for fun is this person right here, Bitter Blue Betty. Bitter Blue Betty, her tagline is this, I'll be happy when you're not. Now, that's bitterness, isn't it? I'll be happy when you're not. Now, let me give you a few of her tweets. I like the pastor's preaching like I like my tea. I don't like tea. (laughs) Found an app on the Internet that waterproofs your phone. Trying it out on the music guy's phone right now. (laughs) It would be a sin to cancel Sunday night service. There should be at least an option if I ever decided to attend. I trust the government with my money like I trust the youth guy at GameStop with a church credit card. Youth guy resigned today. On a side note, I'm changing my life verse to the prayer of a righteous woman availeth much. (laughs) Now, Bitter Blue Betty is a fictional character. She's not real, but there are a number of Bitter Blue Brendas and Bitter Blue Bobbies, Bitter Blue Randys and Bitter Blue Sallies, because bitterness is something that each and every one of us have to deal with. Of all the human emotions, of all the human attitudes that we have, I believe that the one that is the most destructive is bitterness. Bitterness is like an emotional cancer that that eats you up from the inside out, and then it oozes out to affect and infect everyone else around you. It has been called a malignant tumor that will ultimately turn a healthy body into a dead corpse if it's untreated. Someone described it this way. It is a blight that will contaminate you, a burden that will crush you, a blaze that will cook you. Bitterness is defined this way. It's a harbored hurt hidden in the heart. Bitterness is a harbored hurt that is hidden in the heart. It is the result of a hurt that that we hold on to. It's It's the result of a hurt that we refuse to let go of. Now understand, our bitterness can spring up from a real or a perceived event. Someone has said something. Someone has done something. Someone has not done something. And, and all of a sudden there is a hurt that is beginning to percolate within us. And if left unchecked, our bitterness will eventually poison a person's perspective toward just about everything. Now our bitterness is expressed most often in two ways. 
Sometimes it's directed toward God. A a tragedy has occurred in our life, and, and we know that if God is sovereign, God has the power to stop it. God has the power to change our circumstance, and he doesn't, so we become bitter toward God. Listen to what Naomi told Ruth in in Ruth chapter 1, verse 20. She said, don't call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. Did you get that? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Why? Because the Almighty, God himself, has made my life bitter. Now, why did he do that? Because her husband died, her two sons had died, and she was left in poverty and despair. And through all of that, she blamed God. Now, at other times, our bitterness is directed toward a person that that we blame for some hurt or some pain in our life. It it may be a boss that, that fired us. It may be a spouse who left us. It could be a friend who let us down. It could be a stranger who has touched us with some pain or some hurt or some evil. Some people become bitter toward a parent who has abused them. Other people become bitter toward a dad who who didn't spend enough time with them. I've discovered that a lot of people seem to be bitter toward a church or a minister because that church or that minister let them down and and didn't minister to them in the way they needed. Bitterness is, is like the lady who went to the doctor and after she was checked, the doctor became very serious and said, I don't know how to tell you this, but, but you have rabies. And the lady took out her notebook and began to write. And the doctor said, what are you doing? Are you making out your will? And she said, no, I'm making a list of the people I want to bite. And, and that's what bitterness oftentimes does to us. Now, and if ever there was a man who had a right to be bitter, it was Joseph. Joseph's mother died at a, a young age. When he was 17 years old, his brothers wanted to kill him, but one brother talked with the other brothers into selling him into slavery instead. When he was sold into slavery, he was unjustly accused of rape. He was thrown into prison, and he was left there to die. When he was in prison, he befriended someone who promised to help him, but but they forgot him. You see, Joseph had every right to be bitter in life. And what I've discovered is all of us have a tendency to become bitter in life's difficulties. But understand, bitterness is a choice. And let me say that again. Our bitterness is a choice. Every trouble, every tribulation that comes our way is a crossroad in which we must choose whether we are going to become bitter or whether we are going to become better. And I want to promise you, if you choose to become bitter, it's going to take you down a road that in the end, one day, someday, you are going to regret. And so this morning, I want you to turn with me to the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 12. The New Testament book of Hebrews and turn to chapter 12 as we continue our series on toxic attitudes. And and we've talked about insecurity. We've talked about anger. We've talked about um, um, envy. And, And today we're talking about bitterness. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, God gives us a word on bitterness. And he not only tells us what bitterness will do, 
I believe he tells us how to overcome bitterness. So both here and at our other campus, at the West Campus, I want us to stand right now as we read these verses together. So stand with me as we read these verses. Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15. Follow along in your copy of God's Word or on the screen. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, the New Living Translation calls it the poisonous root of bitterness. And that's what bitter is. Bitterness is a poison. In Acts chapter 8, it talks about the gall of bitterness, literally the bile. And, and bile is, is that toxin that, that grows in our body that, that needs to be removed by waste. And that's what he says it is. Bitterness is this poison. Bitterness is this toxin that will destroy you. Now, when you look at these two verses, every single word, every single phrase is vitally important. He says, make every effort to live at peace with all men. Keep on standing. Make every effort, every effort to live at peace with all men. You make every effort to live at peace. Make every effort to pursue holiness, to live in holiness. And then he says, without holiness, no one will see God. Don't miss that. If you don't have holiness in your life, you won't see God. And then he says, don't let anyone miss the grace of God. Don't let anyone, you shouldn't miss the grace of God. And you shouldn't allow anyone else to miss the grace of God. And then he says, don't let that bitter root grow up inside of you. Because if you do, it will cause you all kinds of trouble. And then he says, and it will defile many. Now let's pray. Father God, as we seek to look at your word this morning and, and try to glean some things from, from these two verses. I pray that you'll speak to us. And, and Lord, as you speak to us, I pray that we will listen, we will respond, and we will be obedient. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we can be seated. Now, there are three truths I want you to see in this passage this morning. The first truth is this, the root of bitterness. You see, we are warned against the root of bitterness. You need to understand this morning that bitterness doesn't just happen. You don't go to sleep one night filled with joy, filled with forgiveness, and the next morning you wake up and you're seething with bitterness. It doesn't happen that way. This deadly poison, this deadly toxin, it's developed in our life. And so notice how it develops. First of all, a seed is planted. If we are struggling with bitterness, the very first thing that happens is a seed is planted. Something happens. Something is said. It has been said that we become bitter for one of three reasons. First, what is done to us. Second, what is said about us. And then third, what is taken from us. We become bitter for what is done to us what is said about us, and what is taken from us. Now, I've discovered that there, that there are four things that I believe can, can cause bitterness to come up in our life. The first one is unmet needs. 
Someone didn't meet a need I had or, or someone that is important to me had. It, it may have been an emotional need. It could have been a physical need. It, it may have been a relational need. But there was a need and that need wasn't met. Someone I loved died and, and you weren't there. Someone was hurting and, and you didn't call. I needed affection or I needed respect and, and you didn't give it. I had an unmet need. You didn't meet that need. I felt like you had the ability to meet that need. And all of a sudden, I have this root of bitterness in my life. A seed is planted. Secondly, unrealistic expectations. I have this view of what you should do and how you should respond to me. But the truth of the matter is, most of us expect too much out of people. And if we're really honest, I think we would have to agree that, that most of us have a double standard. We expect other people to be perfect when it comes to what they do to us. And yet we know that we're not perfect in what we do to others. Listen, you need to understand this morning that, that no one can meet all your needs. Not the spouse that is sitting next to you, not your parents, not your children, not your neighbor, not your pastor. No one can meet all of your needs. Unrealistic expectations. And then third, there are unfulfilled dreams. You've had this dream of, of how your life should have been, and it hasn't turned out that way. You, you dreamed of, of going to college and and yet you didn't make it. You had the dream of going into a certain career and, and yet it, it didn't work out. You had the dream of, of living in a certain neighborhood and, and you're about as far from that neighborhood as you could ever possibly be. You had the dream of, of a happy marriage and yet your marriage isn't that happy. And, and when all of these things happen and your dreams are unfulfilled, instead of looking within to see what you can do to change your environment, to change your surroundings, to change where you're headed, you begin to look at other people and you blame other people for those unfulfilled dreams. And then finally, there are unplanned problems. Things happen. Bad things that you weren't ready for. A layoff, foreclosure, a sickness. A death. But you need to remember, after all is said and done, and we look at the reasons for bitterness, remember, bitterness is a choice. We choose whether life's experiences are going to make us bitter or whether they're going to make us better. And here's the thing. A seed can be planted and it can begin growing deep within us for a long time and we don't even know it's there. So a seed is planted. But then the second thing that happens is a root takes hold. You see, a seed planted that is never watered will die. But if that seed that is planted is watered, it sprouts roots. And once it sprouts roots, it becomes a major problem. And here's the thing you need to understand. The root of bitterness takes very little soil... It needs very little cultivation. It is very quick to grow, but it's very difficult to remove. You see, bitterness is easy to plant, but it's difficult to dig up. Uh, if you go down, 
down our driveway, we have a sidewalk that goes to the front door. And, and on both sides of the sidewalk, when we bought our home, there were these plants there. Actually, it was one plant on both sides. Beautiful plant a couple of times a year, once a year. It had these red berries on it. But it was, it was very sticky, thorns and all of that. And, and, and we just didn't like the plant. And so we decided we were going to get it up. And so I got out there and with the shovel and began to dig up that thing. And I realized I can't dig this thing up. And so I got a chain. I put it to the back of my SUV and, and hooked that chain to that plant. And I began to pull. And I tell you, I almost destroyed the transmission on that SUV trying to get that thing up. Finally, finally, I got most of it up. I got it up, I put it to the road, I said, this is great, we can plant something else here. Well, that was about 18 months ago. Guess what? It's back. It's back. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Sherry's not going to like this. But if we're going to get it up this time, she's going to be out here digging. Because understand, when a seed is planted and a root takes hold, it's very difficult to get rid of it. Once bitterness is planted in our lives, a variety of things can bring it to the surface. A picture, a song, a place, a person. We, we hear a certain name of a person. And all of a sudden, a feeling comes up inside of us. We pass a certain place. And when we pass that place, immediately, it seems, we have these feelings that spring up within us. And we find ourselves getting angry because the, the root of bitterness is coming to the surface. So, so how can I know if the root of bitterness is there? Well, let me give you a couple of things. First of all, if we have something in our past that constantly comes back up, there's a root of bitterness. Did you hear me? If I have something in my past, and I'm not talking about something funny, something fun, something enjoyable, but I have some pain in my past that constantly comes back up. You know, I've forgiven them for this in the past, but it's kind of like the, the two men who were talking one day. And, and they were talking about speaking with their wives about, about different issues. And the one man said, you know, when my wife and I begin to discuss things, she gets hysterical. And the other man said, well, my wife and I discuss things, she gets historical. And he said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She brings back up everything I've ever done wrong. And let me just say that if you do that, there is a root of bitterness. You see, if there is something in the past that comes up every time something else happens in your life, you may not want to admit it, you may not want to accept it, but there is a root of bitterness there and you need to be careful because it can destroy your life. Secondly, we find ourselves always finding fault in a certain person or people who are like them. I mean, we find fault in a certain person we say that we have forgiven them. We say we have dealt with it, but, but they can do no right. Uh, you know, um, th some people do this with pastors. And I'm a pastor, so I can talk about this. But a pastor has hurt 
someone in the past. And not only do they never get over that hurt from the past, they treat every pastor the same way as that pastor. They can't get over the hurt. And so that pastor, when they see that pastor, when they see that preacher, they relive the hurt and they take their pain out on him. And and sometimes we do that. There, there are people who have, who have just had a horrible marriage. Women who have been abused by, by husband. And, and instead of going, I was married to a jerk, they begin to look at every man that way from there on out. Every man is a jerk. And, and you, can, you can look at that in any area of life. Every time that they say something, every time they, they do something, it, it causes this thought in my mind. We've been hurt. We have these negative feelings. And, and now that hurt determines how I look at someone, what I think about someone. And all of a sudden, write this down. We secretly or openly, we secretly or openly want the person or persons to get hurt or fail. You see, that's when the bitterness is really there. We secretly, inside or openly, outside, want the person to pay for what they've done. I want them to hurt like I've hurt. I want them to pay like I've had to pay. You may not express it verbally, but it's there in your heart. And you know it's there. So, the root of bitterness. But the second thing we see in this passage is the fruit of of bitterness, what it does. Verse 13 says it causes trouble and defiles many. You see, bitterness can can divide homes. Bitterness can destroy marriages. Bitterness can ruin relationships. It, It can cause you to be a negative person. Many of the problems that occur in churches today are the results of hidden wounds of bitterness that have never been healed. Now, emotionally, bitterness is like a depressant. You will find bitter people oftentimes struggle with depression. They often become cynical. They often become pessimistic. They become negative people. They have a hard time trusting. They blame others. They refuse to take responsibility. And oftentimes they're prone to outbursts of anger. S.I. McMillan wrote a book, None of These Diseases. And in that book, this is what he said about bitterness. He said, the moment I start hating a man, I become his slave. I can't enjoy my work anymore because he controls my thoughts. The man I hate hounds me everywhere I go. I can't escape his tyrannical grasp on my mind. Emotionally, we become depressed. We become angry. Physically, bitterness causes all kinds of problems. Dr. McMillan, in that same book, lists over 50 health issues ranging from ulcers to to high blood pressure that can be caused by by emotions, by attitudes like bitterness. Now, I'm not saying that, that every sick person is bitter or every bitter person is sick, but what I am saying is this. If a bitter person remains bitter long enough, it will eventually affect their health. And let me say that again. If a bitter person remains bitter long enough, it will eventually affect their health. Dr. Norman Vincent Peale tells a story about 
him preaching on a Sunday in New Jersey. And, and after the Sunday morning message, a woman came up to him who was well-dressed, who was very attractive. And, and the lady said, I, I always itch. I've, I've got this itch and I can't get rid of it. And, and the itch seems to get worse when I go to church. Can you help me? Well, after talking to the woman a little bit further, he asked, could he call her doctor? And she gave him permission, and she called, he called the doctor. And in talking to the doctor, the doctor said, I can't find anything physically wrong with her. I can't find anything organically that has caused her to itch like she's itching. And then the doctor concluded that she had some kind of inner mental eczema scratching on the inside that seemed to be on the skin. And then the doctor did tell Dr. Peel that, that the woman, however, does have a problem. She struggles with bitterness, and he, he told her about it. He said years ago, when, um, when um, her father died, she had only one sibling, a sister, and they were very close. But, but when her father died and they were um, preparing the state, estate, there was some um, disagreement, some problems in the estate. And she became bitter with her sister. And she determined at that time that she would never speak to her sister again. Well, Dr. Peel met with the woman and, and said, I believe I know what your problem is. He said, you're bitter toward your sister. And until you deal with this bitterness, you're going to have this problem. He said, what you need to do is you need to confess your bitterness is sin to God. And then you need to call your sister and ask her forgiveness and seek to restore the relationship. The woman broke down in tears and she prayed and asked God to forgive her for her bitterness. She immediately called her sister and said, I am so sorry that I have been angry and bitter at you for all of these years. Will you forgive me? The relationship was restored. When she got off the phone, she said, I'm not itching anymore. And Dr. Peel wrote in his book that she never itched again like that. Now hear me. I'm not trying to give you some story that's wacky and crazy. I'm just telling you an event that took place. You need to understand that bitterness can affect you in amazing ways. But finally, relationally. Relationally, bitterness affects us and others. It not only affects the relationship with the one I'm bitter toward... It affects all my other relationships as well. I, I find myself lashing out at others, blaming others, and infecting others who are in my sphere of influence. You see, bitterness can spread from, from one seat to another, one, one room to another, one house to another, one generation to another. There are people who are bitter with other people, and they don't even know why they're bitter toward them. They just did something to my family years ago, and I don't want to have anything to do with them. Or they hurt my friend, and, and I'm not going to deal with them anymore. They're not involved in the problem, but they have become involved in the problem because that bitterness has oozed out on them. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of kudzu. Kudzu was a vine native to Japan. It was first introduced in this country in 1876, and they initially brought it on as, as an ornamental plant and, and then also for erosion control. But they found out that, that kudzu, once it's planted, takes over. 
I first was introduced to kudzu when I moved to Union years ago. And we had kudzu vines at this ditch behind our house that went down. And it would seem that I would go there, I'd cut those things back, and every year those kudzu plants would, would be coming back into my yard, creeping into my yard. Kudzu can grow one foot per day, a hundred feet in a single growing season. Wow. I need to send it back to Japan, amen? (laughs) But understand, bitterness is like kudzu. It spreads that way. That word defile, it literally means to stain. To stain. And what happens is when, when our bitterness explodes out, it stains everything around us. And if you know anything about an ink, that is poured on something, it begins to spread into the fabric and it goes as far as it can. And trust me, bitterness can go a long way. And so bitterness causes all kind of trouble and it defiles many. So the question is, how do we uproot bitterness? Verse 14, let me read it to you again. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Now, understand that phrase, make every effort. It it is used with to live at peace and to be holy. Make every effort to live in peace. Make every effort to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And then look at the first part of verse 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. And so how do I deal with... With my bitterness. How, how, do I, how do I uproot that hidden hurt that is deep within my heart so that I'm not controlled, enslaved by bitterness anymore? Well, the first thing I do is I need to check my heart. You see, if, if I'm going to overcome bitterness, I need the ability to look at life and, and look at people from a different perspective, from God's perspective. One of my favorite verses in the entire Word of God is Romans 8, verse 28. It says this, and and we know that in all things, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. That's God's perspective. All things can work for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to His purpose. The truth is, we will all become bitter Toward those who have hurt us deeply uh, apart from God's intervention in our lives. So what do we need to do? The first thing as we check our heart is we confess our bitterness as sin. We've got to confess it as sin. We've got to admit it. We've got to see it as sin. You will never have victory over bitterness or any sin in your life until you confess it and admit it and agree with God that it is sin, it is evil, it is wicked in his eyes. Now let me say to you, confession not only involves admitting, confession involves a desire to be set free. If you know that you're bitter, but you want to stay bitter, you haven't confessed your bitterness. Confession is saying, I am bitter, God. 
And I don't want to be enslaved. I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to be consumed by this bitter, by this angry bitterness anymore in my life. God, I want you to set me free from this toxic attitude. So confess. The next thing I've got to do as I look at my heart is I've got to accept God's forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and will forgive us of all sins and he will purify us from all our unrighteousness. You see, once I have confessed my sin of bitterness, I've got to accept the fact that God will forgive me. He will forgive me of this sin and he will forgive me of any sin if I will confess it to God and I will see my sin the way God sees my sin and I will have a desire to be set free from it. And understand, we will never be able to forgive others until we experience God's forgiveness in our life. The reason some of you may have a hard time forgiving others for the things they've done in you and to you, things that they have taken from you, the reason that you have a hard time forgiving them is because you have a hard time accepting God's forgiveness. You look at your own life and, and you say, how could God ever forgive me? And until you learn how to receive the forgiveness that God freely gives, you will never be in a position spiritually, mentally, emotionally, or any other way to give that forgiveness that God wants us to give. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, it tells us to forgive each other just as God in Christ forgave you. Now, God in Christ forgave you of everything. And so if I want to be released from this root of bitterness, I've got to be willing, to, when I receive God's forgiveness in my life, to set people free of every single thing they've ever done toward me. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. He said, let us go to Calvary to learn how we may be forgiven. And then let us linger there to learn how to forgive. And I like that. Let us go to Calvary to learn how to be forgiven. And then let us linger there. Let us stay there a while so we can learn how to forgive others. But there's a third thing we've got to do if we want our heart right with God. And that is we've got to surrender our heart. We've got to give it to Jesus. You see, my heart is the center of my life. I can't live without a living, beating heart. And yet, if I want to be set free from bitterness or, or anger or insecurity or envy or any other toxic attitude or any other sin that is gripping my life, I've got to come to that place where I, I turn my heart over to the Lord. I die to self and I give myself to him. I give him my heart. I give him my life. It's no longer my life, it's his life. You see, that's the problem with some of us. We don't like the results, the consequences of the sin in our life, bitterness. And we want to be set free from that root that seems to destroy us, but, but we want to be set free without turning loose. We want to still hold on and control our life. And, and God says to us, it doesn't work that way. If you, want only, if you want what only I can give, then you've got to give your life to me. And when you give your life to me, then you will experience what I can give you. And that's life 
that is different than you've ever had before. So we confess our sin of bitterness. We have this desire to be set free from it. We, we accept God's forgiveness for our sin of bitterness and all the other sins. And, and we're then in the position where we can forgive others. And then we surrender our life to him. So we check our heart. Is my heart right with God? But the second thing we've got to do is we've got to do our part. Verse 14 reminds us, pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That word pursue means to go after in an aggressive fashion. We are to actively pursue peace. That is, we are to take the initiative to end the war. We are to pull down the fences. We are to rebuild the bridges. We're to restore the relationships. We're to actively pursue holiness. This, this separateness, this sanctity with God. Now, to understand, if I'm going to pursue peace, the very first thing I've got to do is I've got to forgive those who have hurt me. I've got to be willing to forgive. That's an act that I take, I'm going to forgive. The story is told, and I've told you this story before, but at the end of the, the Civil War, General Robert E. Lee was visiting a lady in Virginia, and she was consumed with bitterness toward the Union. And when he asked why, she took him out into the front yard and showed him the scarred remains of this very valuable prized oak tree that, that was just destroyed. And she said during a raid on her home, the limbs had been shot off, by the Union Army, the, the soldiers had carved their initials into the trunk of the tree. And she said, what should I do? And General Lee said, you need to cut it down and forget it. Wow. You see, sometimes people say, I'll forgive, but I'm not going to forget. Can I tell you, humanly speaking, mentally, we may not be able to have forget an event that took place in our life but we can choose to forget the pain the hurt that has gone with it and i want you to hear me you can talk all you want about i'll forgive but i won't forget you haven't forgiven when you refuse to forget when you want to forgive you're going to say to god god i want you to help me do with the sin that others have inflicted toward me what you've done with my sin. You've buried it in the deepest sea. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far you've removed that sin from me. And though we may not be able to mentally, intellectually remove the event, we can say, God, with your help through the power of your Holy Spirit, I'm going to remove the pain and remove the hurt from that event from my life. We've got to pursue peace. John Wesley once had a man tell him, I refuse to forgive that person for what he did. John Wesley said something that was, was pretty amazing. He said, I hope you never are in need of forgiveness. For the man who will not forgive burns the very bridge over which he must one day travel. Wow. The man who refuses to forgive will, will burn the bridge. Over one day, he must travel. If you cannot find forgiveness in your heart for a person towards whom you're bitter, I suggest you go back to the cross and just camp out at the cross and just look at the cross and see what happens. 
So you forgive, you forget, and then you seek reconciliation. You seek a restored relationship. But understand, forgiveness takes one person. I choose to forgive what a person has done toward me. Reconciliation takes two people. When I pursue peace, I go to the person who has a broken relationship and I do everything I can to restore the relationship. But if they say, I don't want a relationship, you can't make someone like you. You can't make someone love you. You can't make someone want to be your friend. So forgiveness is a choice that one person can make. Reconciliation in a relationship takes two people. But if you want to be released from bitterness, you have to seek reconciliation. So you forgive, you seek reconciliation. Now when you face a problem or frustration or hurt or a crisis, there's one of two things that will happen. Either that problem is going to make you a bitter person or that problem is going to make you a better person person. Notice what it says again, the first part of verse 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Now we all need to experience God's grace, but we also all need to express God's grace. Some people believe that this verse is primarily talking about salvation. I don't think it is. Anytime it talks about God's grace, certainly we should look at that But I think more than that, what this is saying is don't let anyone miss you giving them God's grace from you. Express God's grace to others. As God has freely and fully forgiven you, you need to freely and fully forgive others. In 1986, there was a Southern Baptist missionary in Liberia. His name was George Sinner. And um, he and his, his, well, his wife and his daughter were brutally murdered by a man that he had fed, he had clothed, he had housed, he had ministered to. George Sinner had gone into another city to pick up his 15-year-old son. And when he got back, he found out what had happened. This man who, who they had housed had tried to molest their daughter. When his wife intervened, the man stabbed the woman, his wife, And the daughter, killing both of them. When George Sinner got back into town and discovered what had happened, you can imagine he was overwhelmed with emotions. He was filled with grief. But one of the first things he did is he went to the police station where the man who had killed his wife and his daughter, he looked at him through the bars and he said, I forgive you. I've got to be honest with you. I can sit up here and I can quickly tell you I could do that. I don't know if I could. I hope I could. Pray that I could. But truth be known, we, we never know how we will respond in a situation and show God's grace until we're in that situation. But here's what I know. George Sinner was fleshing out Hebrews 12, verse 15. See to it that no one misses out on the grace of God. To the man who had done him the worst of all injustices. 
murdering his wife and his daughter, he looked him in the eyes and said, I forgive you. And you may be here this morning and you need to experience God's grace. Your problem may be you, you think that what you've done is beyond God's forgiveness. And I want you to understand this morning that nothing is beyond God's forgiveness. And I'm so thankful for that. Because to be honest with you, I've broken about every commandment there is to break. And I've even murdered someone if you define it like Jesus did in, in Matthew's gospel. And so if, if anyone is unworthy of being unforgiven, it's me. But praise God at the cross, I experience God's grace. And if you're here and you've never experienced God's grace, I want to encourage you this morning to just throw yourself on the mercy seat of Christ who died a painful death on a cross so that you could be forgiven and experience God's grace. Now, there's others of you here. You've experienced it, but you haven't expressed it. Even as we're talking right now, in your mind, you have someone in mind that you're saying, well, I can forgive most people, but not this person. Or maybe you're like more of us. You're sitting there in that chair and you feel pretty good. You say, well, I'm not holding any bitterness and, and I've forgiven everybody. But if I brought up a person's name, certain feelings would begin to percolate within you. And they aren't happy feelings. They're bitter feelings. And that lets you know you haven't really dealt with the situation. And you need to express God's grace. Now I want you to bow your head with me. And I want you to close your eyes. And with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I want to lead us in two prayers. First of all, a prayer to experience God's grace. For you who are here who have never experienced God's grace, if you want God's forgiveness, then I want to encourage you right here, right now, to pray this prayer to God with all your heart. Dear God, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I am a sinner. I have rebelled against you. I've lived life my way. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross so that all my sins can be forgiven. And I'm receiving his death as the sacrifice for my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Take control, Jesus. Because you are resurrected. You have overcome sin. You have defeated sin. And I know through your Holy Spirit, I can as well. Live within me, I pray. Amen. Now with your head still bowed, your eyes still closed. If you're here and you need to express grace, then pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I don't want to admit it, 
but I am bitter towards you fill in the name. I don't want to live in bitterness anymore. Set me free. I know my bitterness is a sin. Father, I forgive them for their offense. And Father, I am going to seek their forgiveness for my bitterness. Set me free. So I can be all you want me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.